My name is Terry O'Reilly. At some point, everybody's heard the joke. 38. A guy walks into a bar where every so often someone would shout out a number and everyone would laugh. 55. What's going on? He asked an old timer who explained, around here, we only know so many jokes. So after a while, instead of telling them, we just gave them numbers. 77. Keen to join in, the newcomer screws up some courage and bellows out, 23. And the place goes silent. The old-timer leans over and whispers, maybe it's the way you tell it. Hold that thought and come with me to this construction site for a wastewater recycling plant in Beijing. When the General Electric Company decided to pony up as a corporate sponsor for the Beijing Olympics, they had to find a way to make their presence felt. 20 years ago, that would have been simple. They'd pour a king's ransom into a television, print, and outdoor media buy and run soft, fuzzy corporate branding ads. Very much like the GE branding ads floating around on YouTube today. Water that's more pure. Jet engines, trains, and power plants that run dramatically cleaner. At GE, we're using what we call eco-imagination. But that was then. According to marketing industry scuttlebutt, the agency advising GE recommended against a traditional advertising campaign and suggested this. Instead of sinking millions into ads, GE was counseled to sink the same money into infrastructure. Why spend millions on TV spots when they can spend the same money on a water plant? a corporate gesture that will resonate for years. So all of these venues have plans for after the Olympic Games. Which is why, should you pop by GE's corporate website, you'll quickly encounter the company's new favorite word, legacy. It's extremely positive and leaves a great legacy. When is an ad not an ad? When it's a wastewater recycling plant. This is the story of a 180 degree turn in the way marketers are seeing media. Instead of embracing the usual suspects of ad media, TV, radio, outdoor, and print, a new generation of marketers are creating new media, a water filtration plant, for instance, and making that their message. Like the payoff line in that old joke, marketing is becoming less about what you say and more about the way you say it in the age of persuasion. I want chicken, I want liver. Hey, great. A toothpaste should fight tapping. I can't believe I ate that all. Dar Sapphire Design Glasses. Elegant glassware at any price. And now, Terry O'Reilly and the Age of Persuasion. If you need a measure of the seismic shift happening in popular media, you only need to look here to Cannes. Traditionally, the Cannes Advertising Festival has honored print ads and outdoor ads. 
They've added categories, such as one for integrated campaigns, ideas meant to stretch across more than one medium. Only recently was radio advertising honored. But at the Cannes Advertising Festival, Les Joyeux de la Caron was always, always the television gala. And a rumbling through the land, oh, get on board. Get on board. Get on board. In 2004, the talk of the festival was a TV spot for PlayStation 2, showing people climbing over top of one another in such great numbers that they ultimately create a mountain. Here's a little song for anyone who's ever hated in the key of grrr. In 2005, the Riviera was abuzz over this TV spot for Honda, sung and whistled by the mellifluous Garrison Keillor. Hate something, change something. In 2006, can reverberated to the rhythm of this brilliant TV spot for Guinness, showing, in reverse, the evolution from modern men sipping a Guinness to primordial life forms sipping from a prehistoric puddle. <laughs> but in 2007, the unthinkable happened. The Grand Prix in film went, not to a TV spot, but a viral film made for the web. We've talked in the past about Dove's evolution, which transforms a young lady by makeup, hairstyle, then Photoshop into a breathtaking model. It was a breakthrough ad and made in Canada. The award punctuated what most of us in the industry have watched happen for years. Television is no longer the king of advertising media. When I sat on the Radio Lions jury not long ago, we were told that the entries were up in every category but one. Television. Evolution? No kidding. A century and a half back, at the dawn of the modern age of persuasion, one ad medium was pretty much as good as another. Advertisers and their newfangled agencies concentrated on getting their message to potential customers any way they could. When broadcast came along, advertisers got a bigger idea. Jason Sanborn presents Major Edward Bowes' original amateur hour. One message reaching millions. Radio became the default medium for large national advertisers. And please remember this. There's nothing more refreshing these hot days then Chase and Sanborn coffee, ice. Try it. With television came a new trend, a hierarchy of media. This portion of your Mickey Mouse Club is brought to you by your friendly neighbor who bottles Coca-Cola. Radio, suddenly, was yesterday's medium. Television was where it's at, Daddy-O. Hey, we're going for pizza. Do you want to come? Got a better idea. I'll make you some. Got this pizza mix by Chef Boyardee. It beats going out. This I gotta see. By the 50s, an advertiser could make a statement about his brand simply by the medium he chose to buy. And by then, 
television was the Cadillac of ad media. The 1958 Cadillac is brilliantly new in beauty, with fabrics and appointments that introduce a new concept of interior elegance. Which had, for me, some unexpected advantages. In my early agency days, the creative department would gather in the boardroom every Monday morning and jobs would be assigned to various creative teams. And every Monday would unfold the same way, with teams fighting over the TV creative briefs, because TV was the holy grail in every advertising agency. So I just reached over and took the lonely radio brief and strolled back to my office. Radio was always my favorite medium and it suited me right down to the ground. This ad media hierarchy extends well beyond broadcast into print, where choice of medium speaks volumes about one's brand. On the ordinary end, household flyers became the domain of price and item ads from local merchants and chain stores. Meanwhile, in the high rent district, when you take a full-page ad in Vanity Fair, well, first of all, your photo shoot probably costs many times the entire budget of most household flyers. And that's before you pay for the ad space. But a Vanity Fair ad says you are big, important, part of the in-crowd, and usually fashion-oriented. Just being in Vanity Fair says you are hip. Never mind that you'll probably be one of 50-plus pages of ads that run before the editorial begins. The overriding thing about Vanity Fair is how exclusive it is, as a magazine and as a brand, even as host of its own prestigious Oscar party. In his hilarious book, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, Toby Young wrote that even he couldn't get into the Vanity Fair Oscar party. And he worked for them. Okay, then came the rise of the internet. Don't you miss that sound? Yeah, me neither. With the internet came a gradual and enormous shift of consumer attention to the computer screen. At Cannes, as we were learning that TV ad submissions were down, we were also told that entries in the Cyber Lions category, that's for online marketing, were through the roof. To register what that means in my business, consider this. Today, for most major brands, running ads on TV is not essential. In fact, major brands are shifting their annual marketing budgets out of TV. Billboards are fast becoming the smokers among advertisers reviled, marginalized, and in some jurisdictions, restricted or even banned. Yet no major brand can afford not to have a website. According to writer Mark Prensky, the internet attracts two types of visitors. The first he calls native digitals, people who have grown up in the digital age and don't know any other way. The rest of us are immigrant digitals those of us who predate internet and cell phones and home computing and have needed to adapt to them. As advertisers have long since learned, immigrant digitals speak internet and technology, but with a pronounced accent. The lesson? New technologies are carving consumers into new categories, a lesson those in my business ignore at their peril.
TV in decline as the flagship advertising medium, a new generation of ad creatives have found ingenious ways to bypass the crises in 21st century media. They're creating their own. My name is Terry O'Reilly, and this is the Age of Persuasion. Fifty years ago, the future of persuasion was about bright new ideas that would revolutionize existing media. Today, the future is about big ideas that transcend or even create media. A great place to glimpse that future is here, at the Miami headquarters of Crispin Porter and Bogusky, a little-known name outside my business. Yet, in a few short years, they've become the golden child among industry innovators. Crispin is one of a handful of agencies leading the $600 billion marketing industry, ready or not, into a whole new way of doing business. Their lightning-fast rise to marketing dominance came by way of familiar channels, using unorthodox creative to dominate conventional media, as with their work for the American Legacy Foundation, whose campaign is co-handled by Arnold Worldwide out of Boston. You don't know we die from tobacco Sometimes you just lose a love Oh, you don't always die from tobacco Sometimes they just snip out your tongue And you won't sing worth a heck with a big hole in your neck Cause you don't always die from tobacco Knowledge is contagious. Infect truth. In 2003, it was Crispin Porter and Bogusky who took the Grand Prix at Cannes with their YouTube staple, an IKEA spot called Lamp. The viewer is made to feel sorry for a little lamp discarded on the curb by its owner and left lonely and unloved in the rain before the IKEA spokeswede steps in to burst the bubble. Many of you feel bad for this lamp. That is because you're crazy. It has no feelings and the new one is much better. But before anyone could get it into their pretty little heads that Crispin, Porter, and Bogusky was all about creating great broadcast ads, they started throwing curves, like this. It's happening all around the globe. People getting tricked by counterfeit brand name merchandise, premium watches, sunglasses, and you won't believe what else is being knocked off. Mini Coopers. That's why you need this important DVD from the Counter-Counterfeit Commission. You'll get a crash course on how to spot a fake. You'll hear from humiliated victims. I bought a Mini Cooper for 1200 bucks. Let's motor, right? Wrong. We'll even take you overseas and show you how they duplicate Mini's signature look. What is the You just paint the roof, slap on some bonnet stripes. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. No one can tell the difference. Until they try to park it. Crispin's counterfeit Mini viral videos help the brand stand out in the oh-so-onerous automotive category. So, for that matter, did its ambient campaign. In public places, they placed the tiny cars in cages with signs reading, do not feed the Mini. Or they'd piggyback a Mini on top of an SUV, which drove around with a sign reading, what are you doing for fun this weekend? Following its meteoric rise from Miami, Crispin Porter and Bogusky opened a branch office, not in New York or Chicago, but here 
in Boulder, Colorado. Why? To give their staff a healthy, affordable, attractive lifestyle. Even their choice of location says different. Hey, Mom, SpongeBob's at Burger King. Can we go? As soon as your dad's done. As does their controversial campaign for Burger King, most featuring an actor in a disturbing King mask. And creative like this. A man stands naked in a bathtub with a sponge on his head and strategically placed suds. Guess who I am? SpongeBob, no pants. Wow. To the consternation of some BK franchisees, Crispin's strategy was to forego the female-skewed family demographic and appeal directly to the deep-fried meat and potatoes of the fast-food game, teenage males. Frankly, I have no idea what to make of the King campaign, but I have had the privilege of judging Crispin's work at international awards competitions. And I am convinced that the secret to their success goes beyond the content of their spots to the untraditional approach to their work, which includes a shift away from traditional media. It was only a matter of time. The video game, inspired by the most confusing and questionable trend ever popularized by America's youth. Pocket Bike Racing. More rebellious than skateboarding. Witness their King Games, More Xbox games featuring the King character for sale dirt cheap at Burger King. Pocket Bike Racer from King Games. The games were developed from the ground up around the King character. 2.4 million games sold in just five weeks. And the impact? Measuring by media impressions, or the number of times a consumer absorbed the Burger King brand, it's reckoned King Games reached consumers with the impact of 13 Super Bowl ads. For their next trick, would you believe Burger King the movie? Stay tuned. If you want to see where the craft of persuasion is going these days, look for new media. And for the best new media, you'll want to follow the best and brightest new players in the business. Nowadays, one of the hottest is Dave Droga, one of whose many claims to fame is this spectacular act of faux vandalism. This is audio from another Cannes Festival show stealer a viral video about two graffiti artists who tag Air Force One with the message, still free. It was conceived to promote a clothing line by entrepreneur and graffiti designer Mark Echo. It was made not just to be viewed, according to Droga, but to be debated. The buzz eclipsed anything television could conceive, as this publicity compilation clip from the still free website will attest. Defacing Air Force One with graffiti on the runway, impossible? Well, you wouldn't think so if you logged onto a certain website. This grainy video provided by stillfree.com is circulating the internet. There are two very interesting aspects to this story. First, the client, Mark Echo, never tried especially hard to pass the film off as real. Second, you have to scour the Still Free website for any hint that somebody's selling something. Instead, 
you get something of a sermonette about presidential swagger from Mr. Echo himself. The president can't fly around like a rock star talking about how America is the greatest country in the world, but ignore what makes it great. The nature of this stunt would really create a, a potential pop culture moment for us to all kind of look back on and be nostalgic about. Feel free, baby. The stunt wasn't about selling clothes. It's about branding Mark Echo. And that, ultimately, will sell clothes. The claim is that 87 million people viewed the tagging video and that the story was reported in 100 million news reports. And if you listened carefully at the Cannes Advertising Festival of 2006, where Still Free won the Cyber Grand Prix, you could hear the world's marketers siphoning money from their TV budgets into newer alternative media. An apt metaphor, if you don't mind my saying. Droga's company is called Droga 5, named for the labels his mother put in his clothing, David being the fifth of seven children. A year before Still Free, Droga was retained to raise awareness for UNICEF on World Water Day. Old school thinking would have led him to a heart-rending direct mailer, an evocative magazine ad, or a two-hanky broadcast campaign. Not David Droga. In his own words, he doesn't want to be limited by industry constraints. So it was with the TAP project. UNICEF called on New Yorkers, dining out, to pay an additional dollar for good old NYC tap water. Each donation would provide a child with 40 days worth of clean drinking water. Backed by a media blitz and celebrity endorsements, the idea reached more than 80 million people spread over a million web pages and earned 5.5 million dollars. Plans are afoot to launch the TAP project worldwide. This execution for UNICEF, like so many of Droga's great works, wasn't about a campaign or ads or conventional media. It was about an idea. And like so many great Droga ideas, no one medium is big enough to hold it. This is the biggest project for UNICEF in 56 years. Today, up next, we have the infrared thermal imaging camera. Like, it's, it's dope. On the internet, Droga recently attempted what few have managed to do, merging internet technology with creative brand cell. The result? Honeyshed.com a web shopping portal bankrolled in part by ad giant Publicis. Y'all need to buy that. It's not for chumps. Honeyshed features a repertory company of hosts, sometimes in character, sometimes not, conducting shopping channel style segments for client brands. While they might aspire to Saturday Night Live, they hearken more to the glory days of community access TV of the 70s. Unlike historical ad pricing, Honeyshed is only paid when consumers take action, either by making a purchase or clicking for more information. The best thing I could kind of describe it is like the, um, the predator. Droga's dream? To create the collegial fun of shopping that celebrates the cell. Whether it be DVDs, clothing, cosmetics, even an infrared camera, good for who knows what, and yours for a paltry $10,000. It's the coolest shit I've seen in a really long time. Marshall McLuhan once noted that 
Invention is the mother of many necessities. No need to tell the captains of marketing here at the Cannes Advertising Gala. Their woes run a bit deeper than the necessity for new awards categories. Theirs is a $600 billion industry predicated on television as its flagship medium. Mass production, mass marketing, and mass media have been the holy trinity of the business world for over 100 years. Their mission, whether or not they choose to accept it, is to tear down their beloved economic model, based on media, and create one built on ideas. The problem is, the advertising industry has never been good at placing a value on its ideas. After all, what is an idea worth to a client? What's the value of the idea of building a water purification plant in Beijing? How do you quantify the buzz created by a viral video about tagging Air Force One? And as if all these changes weren't coming fast enough, we're still only in the toddler years of the media revolution. But one thing is clear. If marketers want to flourish in the coming decade, all they have to do is put their ears to the tracks and listen to what's coming like a freight train in the age of persuasion. For the first time, here are the Age of Persuasion credits delivered not by voice or broadcast, but by the new medium of telepathy. The Age of Persuasion is created and written by Terry O'Reilly and Mike Tennant. Should I have the chicken or the fish for dinner tonight? Hmm. Engineer Keith Oman. <laughs> I love this new underwear. Breathes like cotton and hardly rides up at all. Title theme by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. Are they sneaking me decaf? <laughs> the Age of Persuasion is produced for CBC Radio by Pirate Toronto. Music